Uh, today I'm very happy to welcome uh, Stuart Smith, Senior Manager of uh, Central Australia, and Tash Ramsey, Manager of Financial Services and a Financial Counsellor at the uh, Lutheran Community Care. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Can I get you to explain what actually is financial literacy? So financial literacy is more about education and understanding of your choices to do with your finances. To some degree, I say to people, you know, you go to a doctor for a health check, you do financial literacy to do the other check as well, just to keep that part of it healthy and um, to assist with empowerment and um, through any situational change in your life. Can you just define for us, for people who may be unfamiliar, what, what finances actually means? So finances is anything to do with everyday money. It's the living skills to do with any benefits you may be receiving, um, anything you're paying out. Um, it might be budgeting for groceries, um, being able to meal plan, um, working on goals that are achievable um, to purchase things, as well as being able to know, you know, like if you get a speeding fine or something, you know, the what the issues are if you don't pay those straight away. So it's being able to, it's everyday life. And you mentioned then the, you know, relation to, you know, essentially like getting a, a checkup at, at the health service mm. or at a doctor or something like that. Explain for us then the importance of that, because I think sometimes, you know, you know, it may not be put in that certain light for certain people. Why is it important to, to have that financial understanding? Um, I think because people can become quite comfortable or think that um, by talking to somebody about their finances that they're doing something wrong. Um, and that's not always the case. It's the fact that it's an everyday thing and it's something that's evolving and changing as well and things that we don't have control over. So it may be, you know, your taxes or my gov or those sort of things that are changed for you. Um, and this way it's sort of keeping up with everything and having that control that people can have themselves, but also know that there's a lot of places out there that are not doing the right thing by people and um, whether that's, you know, taking money out of their bank or I guess around here as well, it's sort of people being really nice until a sale's done and then the person's left with the outcome. And Stuart, on to you, what are some of the, the services that are provided from Lutheran Community Care? Um, so, in conjunction with the financial services, we provide um, from our Gap Road site um, emergency relief. Um, we provide general general support. Um, we also run a playgroup centre over the church three mornings a week, and then we're out at Hermansburg. We run a uh, we work in an IS program as well. So, and I guess that's where the financial management services fits in. I mean, that's you know I personally work um, from a place of a hand up, not a hand out, and and being able to help people support themselves, which is effectively what we're doing, trying to empower them to to understand their own position. It creates the, a space where hopefully as they move forward, they learn the principles of that process and and are able to apply those principles to become uh, more empowered to to make the decisions on the, on their own. And you know, the best thing for us really is if we if we were running our clients because we, we know we're doing our job properly. So that's why I love that's why I love the financial management services and where I see it fits into our services you know, through the emergency relief. If that people need that support, um, we, we you know we get we do have some bread, um, that kind of stuff at our shop. Just being able to support people where they're at. And I understand one of the things that's provided is the uh, client-centred financial workshops. Yeah. What can you tell us about that, and why is it important to have a client-centred approach? 
I don't come into this world or into into this space, and I, and, I, and I don't believe we do as as a Lutheran community here with the value of thinking we've got the answer for anybody. I mean, I believe the best person to have the answer is is the person who's sitting in front of us. They they, they know their life. They they they're the expert of their own life, and you know we don't at any time want to enforce something on someone that they don't want. So working from a client perspective, understanding that they are actually the expert of their life is the first one. And I think, I mean, I think we all expect that. I think we all expect to have it, you know, when we're talking to someone to have, to have that respect, to have that, that people value me as a person and work, work with me, not, not, you know, enforcing some set of values or thoughts or principles on you. And, and, and for, for, if we're talking about, you know, empowering somebody, then I know for well, whether it be with my kids or whether it be with someone else, if I enforce something on you, then then the moment I'm not looking, you know, that nothing's learnt, nothing's gained. So the more we work from a client perspective and have that respect for the person in front of us, the more likely our service is to succeed. I think with the financial side of it, it's also um, we can be there for that five or ten minutes to an hour, um, but at the end of the day, it's their life and we're there to walk the journey with them. So a lot of it is, you know, it's got to be about who that person is and how they present, what their issues are, um, but also very much not being judgmental or imposing our views or, you know, even government or um, state views as far as what they should or shouldn't be doing. Um, people make their choices and it's at the end of the day, they're the ones that have got to live their lives. Can you provide some examples in terms of what sort of things you would be supporting these people in? We do a range of things as far as um, when we go remote. So we've um, got quite a few communities that we go to regularly. Um, plus we go out to the prison as well. Um, so we have men's groups and women's groups at the prison. And a lot of it's just discussing what the difficulties are, the, some of the boundaries they have on release as well. And, um, you know, and everyone's quite forthcoming with what their own boundaries are and then being able to say, well, you know, we are here just because we have a workshop that it's not just that's it. We, you know, we've got an open door policy. You can still come in. We can walk that journey with you, whether it's weekly or fortnightly. Um, when we go remote, it's also being able to look around and see how people live there and how they can, um, we do, you know, as far as doing uh, cooking and all of that, we purchase our goods from the actual store. So we're working on the same prices. We have a look at the tax side of things. So we do volunteer tax. And so we go out on community. So then that way we're doing the free returns for people on community. And they're not having to pay the really high prices of tax agents that go out there. So that saves the community as a whole quite a bit of money. And also setting up MyGov um, so that people can see what information there is about them as well and showing them how to use it rather than saying you need to use this and that's it. So it's it's quite a lot of different things that we do. So then, so you're providing both then the services within like Alice Springs and then out in some of the communities yes. yep. as well then? Yeah, so we, when we go out remote, we do trips out there. So that could be, you know, Kintor, Docker, Mutajulu, you know, we go all of those sorts of places, but we also go out when we're requested to work with CDP and um, be able to do workshops that are quite specific. And a lot of people will say this is what our issues are on community at the moment. And so we'll tailor our workshops around what is happening at the, at the time. 
what are some of the things that you've seen or identified or that the communities have identified as issues of concern that are impacting uh, Aboriginal people? Um, A lot of it is um, Telstra, for instance, um, products being sold that are really not viable on the communities. A lot of communities still don't have signal anyway, and yet they're coming into Alice and they're getting, you know, multiple phones on iPad and put on these huge contracts that they really can't. It's not fit for purpose, the actual sale. Um, Not really understanding um, what the repercussions of that is. And, you know, it's basically we get out there, people have got phones and they've got, they can't use them, but then they've got massive bills. And so that's a common issue. The other one is... um, taxation, so being behind several years with uh, their tax returns, which is why we're trying to work on each community and get everything up to date for everyone because that impacts on family payment, for instance, and their ability with um, what they get from Centrelink and even child support. So it it has a big flow-on effect. Sometimes I think for people when they're talking about finances, they can get a little bit intimidated. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter where I think whether you're from a remote community or not. It can sometimes be intimidating to people. Do you think having that availability in communities is that extra step in them being comfortable in that environment and being able to, you know, discuss those circumstances or, or, or you know, reach out for support? I think, to be honest, um, I haven't had any issues uh, with going out remote. I've had a lot of really good conversations. I mean, we have ladies' nights as well. And I'm always just honoured the fact that people are sharing their stories. It's, um, but I haven't, I haven't had any issues with going out there and people are quite open with what's going on in community. Uh, even the shires have been a huge support as well. Um, but yeah, we don't have any issues when we go out. Obviously, we had the uh, Banking Royal Commission hand down uh, their findings and it did reveal you know, circumstances where Aboriginal people had not received the greatest customer support. What do you think customers can do to sort of grow their understanding or, or, you know, things that they can do to ensure that they aren't in this environment? And what do you think the responsibility of banks is now for, you know, providing those services to Mm -hmm. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? I think, um, like I'd say to anyone, is that you've got to make your bank fit for you, not you fit for your bank. Um, You're their customer and they've got to work for you. So if they don't have an account that fits you as far as with fees and all of those sorts of things, then you need to change bank um, or ask them to compete with another bank. Um, At the end of the day, it's about who you are. And as far as with what has happened, it's getting people to actually um, understand, you know, informal overdrafts and those sorts of things and being able to physically show people, not try to talk about it over the phone. As far as with the responses from banks, they've been pretty good, but they still don't have, um, a lot of them don't have dedicated uh, Indigenous lines. So they're not understanding that somebody on a community can't prove their ID They can't, um, you know, they might have two or three different birth dates and they just sort of think, oh, I'll just go into the local branch, not understanding that the local branch is eight hours away. So it's, they're not closing the gap on that just at this stage. And I think that will take quite a while. In terms of that then, is that where do you think 
you know, there needs to be greater involvement of Aboriginal people in that process so they can start to get those understandings of, of what those issues are? Absolutely. It's, that's where we just have that conversation and we get the conversation to grow. And when we, and that's why when we do go out to community, we do ask, you know, how are you with your bank? And that's part of the financial health check, I'd say. And part of what we do as well is we advocate. So, I mean, at the end of the day, together we all advocate for change and we are progressively seeing the change, even though the Royal Commission did point out a lot of negative. But to do have change, you've got to be able to see that and expose that. And so now this means that everyone um, at some stage will be able to have a voice and know that they can be heard. Stuart, back to you. Um, in terms of the uh, workshops and things like that and, and services that people can access within uh, Alice Springs, can you detail when sort of people can go in and what are the sort of the hours that people are able to access those services? We're fairly flexible with just about coming into our office or making a time. Like, for example, someone coming the other day needed support with, a, I think it was a rent assistance form. So there was a, an attempt to try and help them on the spot. So um, in terms of the workshops, it's, that's a little bit more fluid in setting, setting that up with the local communities, as Tash said, based on, on the community's needs at, at that point in time. But certainly if anyone was interested in that, it would just be about making contact with Tash and having a conversation with her and, and, and seeing where we go with it. Just to clarify, then, so for general, like financial support or anything, it's sort of an open door policy, like you were mentioning earlier, where you can just walk in. Yeah, so our hours are from 8.30, um, and then usually in the morning we do emergency relief as well. Um, and then we have financial capability workers, and they're pretty much our backbone. They're amazing with doing the groundwork. They pick up on a lot of the issues that are happening and have that initial conversation. And we have financial counsellors there as well. And so if it's not able to be sorted with the financial capability worker, then it's referred through to a financial counsellor. But they still all work together and it's still all about the client. Um, We finish at 4.30. And as far as with workshops, um, it's basically just you know, on a needs basis. We do regular ones as well, which is just run from our service. But like I said, we go out to the prison and do full workshops out there, like full day ones. And as far as with remote, we usually have a regular sort of routine that we do. So then everyone knows that we're coming out. But then if something does pop up and there is a need, then we'll just divert and and sort of tailor it so that we can assist as quick as possible. So how often would you usually sort of go out to the communities? Uh, so within the period of, say, February, end of February to beginning of November is our travel time. And we would do a docker probably twice, three times, um, Kintor, same. Um, Santa Teresa and, and Dari is uh, fortnightly. And so they're a full day trip. So we are looking at doing overnight so that we have a couple of solid days there. Arionga a couple of times in that in that time as well. But yeah, we've got quite a few in Utopia region. To reiterate again, the need to have those conversations about finances. We'll start with you, Tash. Yeah. Why is it again important to, to have these conversations about it and start to get these understandings? And if you do need help, to, to reach out. Yeah, I think that it's... Because it's not, um, like generationally, it's been sort of a taboo subject in some families that, you know, you don't talk about it, but it is something that gives you empowerment, it gives you growth. 
um, being able to discuss what's going on, for your kids to know what's going on, to know what the actual real struggles are. Um, I think it gives a greater appreciation of what life is, but also it's passing on that knowledge. But I learn from every single one of my clients and, you know, their survival techniques, their skills, uh, with, you know, how they deal with things at home on a very, very small budget. But it's also being able to have those conversations and letting people know that it's very expensive for, um, say, travel back and forth if you, ha- if you have a chronic illness, understanding superannuation and what it's there for and um, knowing that there's something there for your children if something does happen to you, that you've got, you know, if you do end up chronically ill, that you've got something to fall back on. You've got entitlements that you've worked hard to get and it's been able to know that that's yours, you've got control of it, you've got that empowerment, but it's also just creating that, that growth and change. Yeah, I think um, finances is, is a lot about creating hope as well. I mean, I, in, in my own world, I, I would stop and think about our finances, what I want to achieve, go on a holiday, go forward. And I think it moves, it, can, it has the potential, if we can do, use our finances well, it has the potential of move, moving us from just trying to survive in the, in the moment to actually being able to come empowered to look forward to things, to look forward to a holiday, look forward to, you know, as Natasha said about what we, what we pass on to our kids, look forward to, you know, just being available for our, for our kids. And, you know, there's a lot more to money than just money it's, it starts to create the lifestyle that you want and, and be able to dream about and think about the things you want to do so it, cre- it creates hope it creates opportunity but it really creates that opportunity to move out of just living for today to starting to think about where I want to be in a year's time where I want to be in five years time um, and there would probably be some long conversations for some of the people we work with at the start but um, that's where I'd love to see people get to is be thinking oh yeah I might, I might do those things that I didn't think I was able to do I might be able to achieve more than I, than I thought I could so getting control and understanding your finances is really just the start point to be able to think about life in a, in a more holistic and sustainable way. Let's appreciate the opportunity to be able to participate in this process and, and just welcome you know any other agency or service provider or person in the community who would um, like support from, from Lutheran Community Care. Um, just to, to reach out, if, if we aren't able to help in that space, we'll, we'll certainly do our best to find someone who can. Do you have a phone number or anything that people could call? Okay, so the phone number is eight nine five three five one six zero, and the address here in at fifty five A Gap Road. Well, uh, Tash Stewart, thank you both for speaking with us on Calm Radio. Thank Cheers. you Thanks very much. Time.